Welcome to Blooming Out on Community Radio, WFHB. Blooming Out is a forum by and for the LGBTQ plus community. Each week we explore the issues, events pertaining to the LGBT community in Indiana, the U.S., and internationally. We speak with guests about human rights, coming out, the legality of being gay, and much more. Blooming Out is a multiple award-winning program here on Community Radio, WFHB. Thanks for listening to Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I'm Frankie Presslaff. I'm Jasper Tony. I'm Lucas Fisher. I'm Melanie Davis. Tonight we have Jeff Roth from Damien Center to talk about World AIDS Month, uh, beginning this Saturday, actually. But first, we're going to talk to the crew. We're doing something a little different tonight. We have Lucas, our trusted engineer in the office. I said office. <laughs> trusted <laughs> office engineer. <laughs> my office. And we have Jasper, our hey. uh, intern. <laughs> and this is the first time Jasper's whoops been on. Uh, I almost spilled my coffee all over Jasper. Um, live and so. Well, I've never been on live uh, either. You never. No, you're live all the time. But oh, I guess I am. Yeah, you've never true. been in. I'm always behind the scenes. He is. So. And and uh, we. I don't know what we do without you. You you do a remarkable wow, job. Thanks for. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Melanie. Um. How we we haven't seen each other in what two weeks? Yeah. That's yeah. kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy. How was your um, Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving was was uh, interesting. It was good. Uh, spent with friends, and and that was great. I always love doing that. So. Yeah. Um. Uh. But I'm doing a lot of uh, training and stuff right now, and uh, right. You got everything's going. Uh, all topsy turvy. So I'm busy, busy, busy this yeah. this week. Next week I have nothing going on. You have nothing. Well, nothing. I have a lot of work for you to do. Awesome. Um, <laughs> so and, and you know I'm gonna get around to everybody about this. The sh- uh, people haven't had an opportunity to listen to the Thanksgiving show. It was awesome, and, and you carried it off really oh, well. And, thanks. Um, yeah, I loved your little episode, and Lucas put it together. That was like. Yeah, I, I, you know, it actually took a while. Yeah, <laughs> no, you can tell, <laughs> but you—I mean, it was classy. So, if anybody out there hasn't listened to the Thanksgiving episode, uh, please, uh, you know, take a moment to go on and, yeah. and hear that. Um, so, Lucas, how are you doing? Um, I'm pretty good. You know, it's that time of the semester, so I'm kind of, you know, uh, winging it. Right. W- what's your degree in? I study English. English. So. Uh-huh. I have, uh, I just turned in two, like, six-page essays on Monday, and then I have, like, four presentations next week, so. Wow. That's really fun, exciting. Uh, You're ready to. I'm almost done, actually, so just one more semester of reading. Reading? (laughs) I guess that's what, and and how about you, Jasper? Uh, Same with Lucas. I'm I'm at the point where I'm drained. I mean, this semester has been. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, luckily, I got all my homework done from like two weeks ago so I only have my presentations to worry about but we'll see about that you're just ready to, to oh, roll. it's funny because you watch the students you know walking through campus and you know they all come in at the beginning of the semester everybody has new clothes and everybody's oh, yeah. looking good and then it's like pajama bottoms and you know it's good oh, you know it, like yeah, yeah. The expectations <laughs> yeah. Yeah. people yeah. aren't combing their hair <laughs> wait what what yeah. at this never point hair. <laughs> I just come to the class with pajama bottoms and flip flops yeah. yeah but you were looking all sharp I'm sure at the beginning of the semester weren't you 
you're there. And then well, now, I don't know. Once you're a senior, it kind of changes. Uh, yeah, that's how. Yeah. And so, anyways, so um, I didn't mean to say anyways, but dismiss <laughs> 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 you there. So, Melanie, what's going on in the news with the LGBT community? Oh, it's fun times. Fun times. Fun. T- no, not really. Uh, when local activist Hannah uh, Morris tried to convince Madeline Snyder to update her ID to reflect her gender identity two years ago, Snyder thought it was would be impossible. Snyder believed updating her ID was important. Um, this is something that I had to go through a number of years ago, and I think I've talked a little bit about this. And uh, I've got another friend who's uh, working on this as well, and actually in Texas where Snyder is. Uh, it, it's a... Um, it's a lot of confusion and um let me just kind of read off something here um the process for updating id varies from state to state and texas is one of the hardest the national center for transgender equality gave the state an f because it is so hard to update a driver's license there morrison snyder knew someone who updated his id in tyler texas and the process took him eight months and cost a thousand dollars and this is something i did uh for zero cost and just my you know id Mm -hmm. and uh um and it cost me nothing i just went in well it cost me the id and it was just a few minutes and this is indiana so that tells you how tough texas is yeah uh they found three other trans people in tyler who wanted to go update their ids and raised four thousand dollars through a gofundme page entitled safe ids for maddie maddie is um uh one of the, the people that got their names changed um they couldn't do it in their own county. Uh, Smith County is very conservative, and Texas state law doesn't uh, prohibit trans people from going to another county to update their ID. So they went to uh, through the Dallas court system. Uh, she showed up to her court date, but the judge who was who had approved the others that morning uh, had that morning off. Another judge filled in, and she wasn't familiar with the part this part of Texas law. She was asking. Why are you not doing this in Smith County, where you live? Snyder said. That's when I knew it probably wasn't going to happen. Uh, The judge said she didn't feel, quote-unquote, comfortable approving Snyder's petition, so she left with an unupdated ID. She could file again, but she would have to start the process all over. Her community wasn't going to give up. She raised another $1,300, and she planned to hire a dedicated lawyer who was experienced with trans law at this time. She has now been uh, taking more of a leadership role in the local trans community. Last week, I was a counselor at a camp for trans and gender nonconforming kids. She said, I feel like I'm still pretty young and new to all of this. So it's been a humbling experience to assume more of a helping role. So kind of let's hear your story on, you know, you said you had to go through this at some point. Right. Uh, Indiana is, uh, they actually don't have laws uh, stating how you can change your name or your gender on uh, um, different uh, documents. Uh, uh, or your 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 birth certificate on your driver's license you need a note from a doctor mm-hmm. stating that you're going undergoing uh, um, gender affirmation treatment and and that's pretty vague so if you can get a doctor to your doctor to sign off on that then you bring it in but then it's up to the people at the DMV uh, in order to accept it or not and they have to call I, I just found out they have to call uh, the Marion County DMV in order to get approval now. Uh, that wasn't the case in my, my day, but now apparently it is. So they have to call up uh, upstate, no matter where you are in the state, right. they have to call Marion County and get it approved. 
and, and other, affects all that often. Other times that people don't get it approved, is it you know? Are you dealing with one individual? It's, it's more it? about um, people not being familiar with it, okay. so not being comfortable, right? And then they don't. Uh, uh, you know, it's hard to follow up. You know, it's hard to take off. So, time is there somewhere for the trans community to go where there's a website that, or you know, they can reach out and and, and ask for help to make sure? There's that Indiana Transgender Network uh, online uh, has a lot of resources for name change, gender change, changing different uh, documents, um, and I would suggest starting there, Indiana Transgender Network, and uh, they will. Uh, they will have a wealth of information there, okay. and it'll be up to date. Okay, well, that's good to know. You know, it's things, you know, obviously, if it's not affecting your life, um, people aren't thinking about that. And, you know, when you, when you go and try to do simple things, that bureaucracy gets in the way and ignorance and um, sometimes the Republican Party, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, pushes people, you know, off to the sides. And, you know, something it should The be combination of the two, the bureaucracy and ignorance, is, is really rough. Right. Um, because there are some people that will just block you. The nice thing is you can go to any BMV around the state and take care of your business. Right. Uh, but the problem is you have to sometimes go somewhere else. All right. The next thing up is Cindy Hyde-Smith, who was just elected senator in Mississippi, uh, tried to keep lesbians off of her property. Nice. <laughs> Earlier this month, month Hyde-Smith and Mike Epsi, Democrat, were two top uh, finishers in the special election to replace Thad, Tad, Thad Cochran, uh, the Republican, who resigned in April due to health issues. Neither candidate got more than 50% of the vote, which triggered a special election. The AP called the race uh, for Hyde-Smith, who got 55%. Uh, and Hyde-Smith close, has close ties to Donald Trump, who tweeted to congratulate her. In 2012, uh, a two to 2012 incident, when she was uh, commissioner of the Mississippi Department of Agriculture and Commerce, a lesbian couple was told that they couldn't hold a commitment ceremony at the Mississippi Agriculture and Forestry Museum, even though straight couples could get married there. With the help of the Southern Poverty Law Center, the women wrote a letter of complaint and then were allowed to have the commitment ceremony there. This didn't sit well with Hyde Smith, who strongly objected, quote-unquote, to the ceremony and asked, that the state law changed to provide, quote, clear and straightforward definitions about what activities can take place on the property owned by the state of Mississippi. While the state, the, while this same-sex couple's request for a permit to utilize one of our state's facilities for a commitment ceremony, quote-unquote, uh, is not being defined as a marriage ceremony, it is personally troubling for me, she said at the time, citing her personal and religious beliefs. So this lady is a awful human being. Right. Um, I yeah. don't know if anybody has been watching the politics in Mississippi, but it just kind of happened. And, and I don't know. Uh, she won, what, by 55? 55. Yeah, yep. 55%. And so there's that many bigots out there. It's just amazing. I mean, it's not just the LGBT community. It's the, you know, the black oh, yeah. community. It's anybody, the color community. It's anybody that's not a Bible-thumping Christian community. Right. Um, that she, you know, I mean, she, she's on that, that team. And it's sad that, you know, the, I, I mean, I think we all in our gut knew that she would probably win being Mississippi. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But, you know, for somebody like this person who, you know, well, I, I wish I, I had the exact quote of um, you're usually good about that, Melanie, about the, um, having front row at, at a public hanging. Oh, yeah. Oh, you God. Know, yeah, I'm sorry. That, that, that kind of started her um, 
her, her bid there, she was with some farmer and, mm-hmm. you know, and said, hey, I'll, Earl, I'll be with you at a front row, blah, blah, and I'll run senator. And I know. It's just um, amazing. What century are they? Well, I know, I know which century they're from, yeah. but seriously, that's not a, I, I can't believe that people still have these thoughts and carry them with them well, throughout just, the day. Just go yeah. outside our, our county and. You know, sadly, you know, it's 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 around. Um, yeah. Jasper, had you followed this at all, or is this something that uh, you're too busy uh, <laughs> with your books? I'm never too busy, but um, uh, when I came on the show, I, I wasn't familiar with, um, you know, the LGBTQ community, and um, uh, Wes knew that, so that's why he's been trying to get me acclimated to the show and things like that. And so reading stories like this, I'm always, you know, appalled. Um, uh, she went to the... Uh, and asked to get a the state law to change and get a clear straightforward for a definition i find that funny because i don't see i i've seen this in multiple stories um from a couple of weeks ago that you know we need these definitions why do we need these definitions i feel like uh we know what's right in the heart and i feel like this is something that you know just isn't doesn't sit well with people and it doesn't it, when i read it, it didn't sit well with me so i know it didn't sit well with many people so <laughs> Things like this, when I read them in a story, and I right. just always yeah. support. It just really, it really annoys me because it's like, um, you know, she's like citing her personal and religious beliefs as like a exactly. a, a reason for pushing hate. a law, pushing <laughs> hate. It's just something that keeps happening all the time, mm-hmm. and it's really frustrating to see that kind of. And 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 how you stop this stuff is you continue to talk about it. I think people mm-hmm. say I don't want to read it anymore on the face on the Facebook. Yeah. I don't want to <laughs> see Facebook. it on. The Facebook. Um, but but I think this is things that you have to put. No, I know it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 subjects that have to be put in your face and other people's face because we can go on and if it, if it this you know if if you're just living your life and this doesn't affect you, um, then we we tend to believe you know it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Yeah. Um, but this breaches out if you're going to discriminate against a one part of society. It opens up to a flood of discrimination against many, many persons in in, mm-hmm. in, in society. So it's really important to have these conversations. And you know, I try to keep you know my kids at home to to let them know what's going on and not to scare them because sometimes, yeah. yeah, it is depressing and it, it can seem very scary that this is what our world has come to. But if you know. With, with with being active and, and, and educating yourself and understanding the facts, um, you can make change. And and this is a person who's now a senator, a United States senator, yeah. will yeah, be in like January. I guess she's a senator now, um, but then she'll be sworn back in. Um, and, you yeah, know, and Trump, our president of the United States, mm-hmm. went down and, you know, trumped for her. Right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's just the bigotry. I mean, you went to found that in, you know, in, in elections before that we wouldn't have a president of the United States that wanted to, d- to be near anybody that had, you know, any sense of bigotry sweating off their skin. And he's there lapping it up like it's, yeah. you know, last night's whatever. So, anyways, that's my little yeah. opinion. Because we'll yeah. just like cross our fingers and hope that it's like, we're actually gonna. This is like the last run for hope, the. Hope, oh, don't like don't uh, don't cross uh, your yeah, fingers. No. Don't <laughs> hope because that doesn't have that doesn't work, right? right. Yeah, and, no, it's you know, so right. Back in the day, and for you know decades, we've been hearing about that part. Well, you know, they let them do what they want. I don't care, but just don't do it in front of me. Don't shove it down my throat, quote unquote, mm-hmm. uh, which is problematic anyway. Right. But. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that is exactly what allows you to remain ignorant yeah. is by like not seeing that not having it shoved in your face you mm. know yeah um well uh, uh, well one of the things that really bothered me is just like i just don't understand how um like we have this election and i, d- I felt like there was a really strong momentum at least for you know people to go out and vote and then we still get these results that are more uh like i mean indiana is a republican state but it just surprises me that there's it's like we're outnumbered at least in indiana that that's kind of a shock to me i mean not really as far as we know the history but right i think again it goes if it's not in my backyard and Mm. it's not affecting me then you know why do i need to be involved and i think that's what i find really frustrating with some of my friends and you know family members in the sense that yeah that we're living our, our our little life and doing our thing and it's it's not nec- necessarily touching i just always m- my issue is not my my only issue is but you know people know frankie's family i got eight kids i got a husband of 25 years um you know i'm active with with children i'm active with with anybody that needs a, a helping hand and you know and they see what our family has 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 you know, been able to contribute back to society. Um, and how can you be my friend and how can you, you know, bless me and then at the same time support such hate? Mm-hmm. And, and again, you know, I had a, a friend, a, a very um, far right person who I, I care about deeply um, say, you know, Frankie, if it comes to the point that they're marching you off, um, I'm not going to let that happen. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, hit my head against the wall. I, right. I didn't answer that. And I didn't get in um, a, a deep conversation about what that was because I couldn't get my head wrapped around what he was saying. And, and he said it, it was all in good intentions. He didn't mm-hmm. mean to be, um, you know, he thought he was being supportive. Mm-hmm. But no, when, when you hit that R, at least in this, you know, because I voted R before, um, but if you <laughs> and this election, <laughs> I know <laughs> um, that you, um, you know, that you're 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 giving kind of that pass to people like this this witch, mm-hmm. you know, out there. So I don't know. I think it's again that we keep talking about it, that we keep educating, mm-hmm. that we have discussions. Um, I. I, I and, and when we have these discussions, we need to, uh, it needs to be open and, and, and honest. I feel like a lot of times when we get into discussions, it turns into debates and arguments, and, and that doesn't help anything because... Uh, it makes the person fall back yeah. to their beliefs mm-hmm. a little harder. Yeah, they, they become close-minded. They don't want to hear it. So instead of attacking each other, I feel like we just need to listen to each other. Right. And, and I don't condemn anyone for their beliefs. What you know, Whatever your belief is, that's, that's right. okay. But I feel like you should know and understand the other side before you make that belief and have that opinion. Exactly. Well, just to, to share again about kind of our family, we've moved into neighborhoods and people didn't know quite what was what was coming. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, as the, as the tribe arrived, um, my thing isn't not to hang out the, the gay pride flag and walk out and say, hi, I'm gay, I'm this is whatever. It's allowing people to get to know me as Frankie and then Frankie the father and Frankie whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and people then kind of start putting things together, but they like me as a human being. Mm -hmm. So they're not prejudging me at that point. I'm not throwing things down people's throats saying, you know, this is who we are. I don't hide it, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, that's a hard one to hide. But the the sense getting, letting people have an opportunity because, you know, sometimes people aren't exposed to that and they, they don't have, you know, that, that opportunity to. And, Every single time that we've moved into a neighborhood and we've, you know, and we've had far right 
people living next to us, we became very good friends and, and they've changed their perspective and we've had these, these conversations. So, um, you know, and that's what it's about. So keep talking, keep having these conversations. Well, I think it's time that we do a music break and um, Wes is going to take us away. Welcome back to Blooming Out. You have been listening to Lava Lamp by Thundercat. Um, before we get on with our interview, we have Ireland, one of our interns, in to help us out tonight. So uh, welcome. welcome to the show, Ireland. Thank you. So if you hear her uh, radio voice on, um, that's Ireland. <laughs> and uh, we have Jeffrey Roth, the Vice President and Chief Development Officer from the Damien Center to talk about World's AIDS Day. Hi, uh, Jeffrey. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for coming on. You know, you're our, our monthly regular at the bottom of the month, and 
Um, you always bring us great information and enlighten our audience and our, you know, our, our people here in the, the studio. So thank you so much for um, being willing to, to talk um, about it. And, and like I said, today you're going to talk about World AIDS Day. So I'll let you kind of take it away. What, what, what does that mean, actually? Yeah, um, so World AIDS Day has been around since 1988. It's, it was actually the first ever global health day, and it, it recognizes and unites us under, obviously, AIDS. And it's talking about, you know, where we are, where we've been, and what we can go you know, even farther into the future. You know, it it came about four years after HIV and AIDS was officially announced. And so it was pretty early on, but it's also um, something that's continued because obviously HIV hasn't gone away. But after the past 30 years or so, we've really taken strides in the right direction to really get to where we need to be. And, you know, we, we keep making these goals for eliminating HIV. Now it's at 2030. And I think we're, we're getting pretty close to that. You know, we're, we're lowering the number of new HIV uh, cases every year across the world. People are getting better. People are getting healthier. And we've come really, really far. So this is still a really important day. It's maybe not the same celebration it was in 1988. But now it's more of a chance for us all to unite and really think about what is really important for those who are affected by HIV. Right. Do you see the people, you know, taking this as, I guess, not serious might be the wrong word, but paying as much attention to, to the World's AIDS Day? I guess it depends on where you are in the world, right? Yeah, it really does. And I think, you know, I think people are still taking it pretty seriously. I think they're just their impressions about what it means to be HIV positive are changing. So, you know, again, back in the 80s, HIV was kind of a death sentence and people looked at it as being very scary and you know people avoided other people who had HIV now it's more of a support system and it's more of supporting people who may be affected so it's the the feeling of the day has changed but it's still really to show awareness of what HIV is and what it takes and what is possible to help eliminate it so what's the Damien Center doing to kind of to celebrate and make people aware of this day um uh, on Saturday, right? It starts uh, December 1st? Yeah, December 1st is the official World AIDS Day. Um, we don't have a, an event planned particularly for us, but we are supporting other organizations in the city. Um, tomorrow evening in Indianapolis, the Circle City HIV AIDS Coalition is having a program. It's an annual program that's held at the Church Within at 1125 Spruce Street. Um, this is a chance just for people to come together. It's a, an, um, a night to remember, a night to discuss, and really um, talk to people who have been affected. And, and again, just I, I don't want to say celebrate, but you know, yeah, get so together I, yeah, and really, right. yeah. Well, I think celebrating kind of the the um, advancements that yeah. it has been within you know HIV, as you said, it's a different story from what it was back in '88 to to today. That it's not a death sentence. Um, and in the sense that people are becoming more educated um, and, and, and hopefully some of the, the barriers have really broken down in the sense of stopping people from, you know, being discriminated against because, you know, they um, have, you know, the, the HIV positive. Um, so wh- what, are, what are some of the things that people can do, um, you know, as far as uh, testing and, and making themselves aware and, and having those conversations? Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, obviously get tests as much as um, 
we recommend every three months or if you're more sexually active a little bit more often. Um, obviously, if you're sexually active and you think you may have some risky behaviors, you might want to consider PrEP. Um, that's a really great option right now to keep you safe and healthy. So I'm going to jump in for a second. Uh, and, and what are, like, risky behaviors? Um, having sex with numerous partners, having sex without condoms, um, sharing needles, um, any sort of interaction or sharing of blood to blood contact. Um, so it kind of spans beyond just sexual encounters. Mm -hmm. But um, we, for the most part, most people think of having unsafe sex. But there are a lot of different, you know, things that we consider risky. But it really depends on the person. Right. Okay. So, you know, understand what risky behavior is involved is number one. Um, and maybe, you know, and then as far as understanding about when, where and when to get tested. And, you know, if, if somebody contracts HIV, um, you know, they're, they're having risky behaviors, you're not going to see um, basically results as far as a person being positive or, or at, you know, within a day or two from being affected, right? No. So, well, interestingly enough, so if you have been exposed to HIV or think you may have been exposed, um, you do have, an, um, I believe it's 72 hours that you can start taking PEP, which is post-exposure prophylaxis, and that's a, a pill treatment that you take for about a month, and it is fairly successful at keeping you um, HIV negative. So if you do feel like you have that exposure, definitely go either to a local clinic. Most ERs actually are trained to um, administer PEP. Um, but you're right that you won't see a positive or negative HIV test or it won't be accurate within a day or two. So there's, there's absolutely no way of finding out at that time? If no. You, if you... It takes about 25 to 30 days for tests to be accurate. Most tests say 30. So, you know, you definitely do have to wait. But, again, if you feel like you may have been exposed, you have that short window of time that you can actually start taking PEP. Is that covered by insurance or is that an out-of-pocket? Is this something that is difficult to get your provider to put you on? Um, it depends. It, you know, some, some insurances cover at least most of the costs. It, it does include a regimen of Truvada, which is what PrEP is. Right. Um, but it does, I can't remember the name of the other pill that you take, but so part of it could be covered by your insurance. And for the most part, if you come to places, for instance, like the Damien Center or even in an ER, they have programs or um, prescription cards that we, we have those, and we can help cover the cost. So you generally don't have to pay anything, okay. but again, it just depends on your situation. Yeah, and, and this was some years ago I, um, when I worked with an HIV that uh, um, I, I had an um, individual come in that felt that they were exposed, and you know, but it was at that point the insurances the insurance companies were not covering anything and it right. was crazy expensive to get so it's good to hear that there's definitely options out there for people that are exposed and i think that's what's important for people to understand that the damien center exists that you can go and that you guys are the go-to people uh, at least yeah. you know in in your area that can uh, help people maneuver something like that because it, it can be scary and and for some people they're ashamed because maybe they have to admit that they're you know an iv you know, drug user or they're having unprotected sex or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think walking into your center that you make people feel comfortable. It's not that people are looking at you and assuming that you're being tested for HRV or you're up to, you know. Exactly. Um, that yeah, I mean, people come from all different backgrounds. So, I mean, we try to be for sure, and I know a lot of other organizations do the same. We're a no-judgment zone. You can come and have the wildest story we've ever heard, but that's not our story. That's your story, but we're going to help you, you know, 
find the best route either to stay HIV negative or deal with your, your positive uh, diagnoses. Right. So, um, and, and on some of our shows, and we've had guests from um, Positive Link as well, and we talked about PrEP, um, but could you talk a little bit about that? I think this is, you know, would make sense for this part of the show. Yeah, so PrEP is the once-a-day pill that you can take that would help you stay negative. Um, really, anyone can take PrEP. It doesn't necessarily have to be someone who has a more risky lifestyle than anyone else. Um, we do recommend anyone who is sexually active or um, shares any sort of um, needles or anything like that, that they do consider PrEP. Um, it, like I said, it's one pill a day. Um, the side effects are fairly minimal and usually go away, and for the most part, the hardest part is just staying on the pill and making sure you take it regularly, and then also you need to be uh, tested every three months for STDs and um, just general um, diagnostic tests, and that's pretty easy to do. Um, like I said, it, it can be expensive, obviously, but with insurance, it's usually covered for the most part, and any sort of additional fee, or if you don't have insurance, there are ways to get it paid for that you have to pay either very little or nothing at all. Okay, so there, there's definitely options out there, and I think that's a lot of times why people probably, you know, don't, they assume that it's something they can't afford or it's out of their reach somehow, and that there are a lot of programs out there that uh, will, will help people be able to, to purchase it and, and get on the insurance to, to be able to, you know, take it. Is it, Do you know, if so is PrEP, does it work immediately as soon as you take it, um, the, the pill that does it... Uh, you know, are, are you able to go out immediately and, and, and have sex, unprotected? You shouldn't have unprotected sex, but if you should. <laughs> it does um, take two weeks for it to become effective in your body, so okay. you do have to get it time to actually build up. You have to give your body that time to build up the um, the resistance in your body, but it doesn't protect against other STDI, STDs and STI. So just because you're on PrEP, you're pretty safe from HIV, but that doesn't mean you're not going to get syphilis, HIV, or excuse me, syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, hepatitis, anything like that. So you do have to be, we do still recommend safer sex practices because you're at risk for those other STDs, which could put you at more at risk for long-term effects, and it makes it a little bit easier for HIV to get into your body. Right. PrEP will protect you from HIV. So um, speaking of HIV, um, STIs, what are some of the big ones right now that you guys are seeing a lot of? And yeah. Um, well, obviously, we've been in a syphilis, um, I would say, outbreak for a number of years now. So syphilis is pretty um, prevalent, but also gonorrhea is um, its pretty big all over the world right now. And you hear a lot about resistant gonorrhea. And mm -hmm. what that means is the treatments we have for gonorrhea are not working or not working as well. And that's a big problem. So if we can't treat gonorrhea anymore, and this is probably one of the, the most um, – prevalent STDs in, in the world, in the country. If we can't treat it, then people are going to have long-term lasting effects from that. And so we want to make sure that um, you don't get gonorrhea, and if you do get gonorrhea, we're able to treat it. But like bacteria, they develop that resistance, so it's right. difficult. And we're, we're studying it. We're trying to find new medications. Um, we're trying to kind of stop it from spreading, obviously. But it is, it is a big deal right now. What are some of the symptoms to gonor gonorrhea? That, that um, yeah, usually it's a, a discharge or um, a pain or a burning when urinating. Um, as the symptoms kind of develop, it could get worse. Long-term symptoms, um, you know, after years and years, you develop um, 
some pretty painful um, arthritis, and, and there's, there's quite a list of them. But for the most part, most people will notice a painful discharge or a pain when urinating. Yeah, gonorrhea was the one that you know people just took a what like a penicillin and went on their way, and you know it was no big deal. And yeah, so it, the the treatment for gonorrhea is usually a pill regimen or right. a shot, um, but. The shot is really uncomfortable. You don't want a shot in your butt, and um, you know the pills—they're—they're uh, they're pretty hardcore. So you might have some. Um, right. Well, because of the resistance, right? I mean that they're—you know—had. Well, the, as we develop, as the the bacteria develops the resistance, we have to use harsher medications, and so that's why sometimes the treatment could be a little bit more uncomfortable. Right. So, do you know the percentage of individuals? You know, is it one in four, one in ten of people that? Um, have some type of STI or? You know, unfortunately, I don't know that information off the top of my head. Um, it used to be like one in three. Um, yeah, I, I know one in seven have HIV, mm-hmm. um, and most of them don't know that. So one in seven is a big number. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's just HIV, and chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, they're way more pre- are prevalent, so you're going to see a higher number of those. And again, even with chlamydia and gonorrhea, sometimes you don't develop symptoms. You don't know you have it. And with syphilis, the symptoms are very, um, they're not painful. They go away within a few days to a few weeks. Um, so these, these things kind of come and go and you don't notice them and, and suddenly you have long-term lasting effects of these infections. So even without symptoms, you could still be positive. Right. And that's why it's so um, important to use condoms. And and I think a lot of time, especially I think this generation of uh, people that are sexually active are are not using condoms um, maybe at the level even I think when I was younger. Um, And they're assuming, you know, because they might be on prep or whatever, that they don't have anything to worry about. And so you brought some, you know, things for people to think about that, you know, if if you're going to participate and you're going to have unprotected sex, that you can need to be, um, um, I don't know, just uh, I want to say smart about it. but, you know, you want to make sure that you protect yourself. And um, I don't know, when I talk to my kids and uh, about this, I always tell them to assume that everybody has something. And if you assume everybody has something, then maybe you'll go ahead and take precautions so you won't get something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the best, way to, the best way to think of it is just keep getting regularly tested, even if you're using condoms. Right. Condoms are not 100% effective, so you do want to make sure that, you know, every, if it's every three months, if it's every two months, you know, whatever you feel comfortable, you know yourself and you know your body. If you feel like you need to go more often, do that. Um, but really every three months is what we really do uh, suggest, especially if you're having multiple partners. Is this confidential? Um, confidential testing is available. Um, I will say that um, we do generally ask for some identifying information, but for the most part, it's not. It's more of confidential in the terms of going to your doctor. So your doctor's not going to share any information. We're not going to share any information. Um, but there is a little bit of information that we do um, ask for. So you don't have 100% confidential testing? No, they used to do anonymous testing. Right, so anonymous. That's anonymous right. and right. confidential. So confidential is we won't share information. Right. Anonymous was you didn't share anything. You just came and got your testers uh-huh. on and left. And so we, most people do the confidential testing now. Uh, okay. So great. So tell me a little bit um, about what's going on with the Damien Center this month. Well, I mean, this is kind of uh, our year-end push. Obviously, we're trying to get um, 
as much as we can done before the end of the year. We do want to see, um, obviously, with World AIDS Day being Saturday, uh, a spike in people coming in to get tested, um, especially with the holidays. People tend to get a little bit more, um, we'll say, frisky. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see a lot of people in the, that second or third week of January. Um, you know, just we just want people to know that be safe. You know, make smart choices. If you happen to, to fudge up a little bit and you have to come in, that's fine. Again, we're a judgment-free zone. I mean, I used to be an STD tester myself, and so I've heard, I've heard the, the most crazy stories, and you're never going to ever scare anybody here at the Damien Center. So come in, get tested, be safe, and just know your status. Tell Jeffrey your scary story. <laughs> 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 well, so, we uh, appreciate – did somebody have a question? Yeah, yeah. So, Jeffrey, um, I know the Damien Center is a judgment-free zone, but how do you, if you do at all um, – coach these people who come in to, to not have shame when they um, explain it to their families or friends and so forth? Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question, because we do, you know, when people come in and they're HIV positive, their first question is, how am I going to tell my family? I mean, I gave a lot of positive results in the past, and that's really the first question, or how do I tell my partner? How do I tell my kids? And we really have to talk them through on an individual basis. It's different for everybody. So, you know, how do I tell my family? Well, really, how do you feel your pa- your family's going to respond to this? That's the first question. Do you feel like they're going to be okay with it? Are they going to have anger? Are they going to have shame? And then we go from there. So it really depends on the person. Great. Well, thank you for that. Well, we're running out of time, so we need to leave on a music break. But I want to thank you again for participating in Blooming Out. Uh, you always bring wonderful information with you, and we look forward to having you on next month. Um, so uh, and, and enjoy December and your holidays. You too. Thanks guys so much. Thank no, you. No problem. Thank you. Have a good one. So let's uh, cut off to uh, Wes and, uh, with our community minutes and music.
We're now going to take a quick look at your community events calendar. December 5th, LGBTQ plus aging and caring network breakfast at Cloverleaf Family Restaurant. That's 4023 West 3rd Street in Bloomington. Bloomington's Prides LGBT aging and caring network meets monthly to support senior citizens who are LGBTQ along with allies. Holding two breakfasts each month and all are welcome. They meet the first Wednesday and the third Friday of each month at 10 a.m. at Cloverleaf South. Tomorrow is also the Transgender Day of Remembrance at Artisan Alley from 7 to 9 p.m. And with that, we'll return to Blooming Out. Hi, this is Frankie with Blooming Out. Um, that was Tokyo by Thundercat, and thank you, Wes, for the community updates. So, Melanie, um, you have some stuff to talk about? <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. Uh, so, as you just heard, uh, we're having Bloomington's Transgender Day of Remembrance, which is usually observed on November 20th. Um, because of the students not being around for that for that time, we changed up uh, just like we do for Pride uh, to accommodate everybody. And it's going to be tomorrow, the 30th. It's at Artisan Alley, and it's from 7 to 9 p.m. Artisan Alley is at 222 uh, West 2nd Street. So 222222. And um, uh, it's... Do you uh, wear a tutu? Tutu. No, no, okay. no, probably not. It's it's actually uh, it's a memorial service okay. uh, for the 23 now 24 uh, transgender people who are being recognized as uh, having been murdered in the U.S. in 2018, um, and and that's uh, it's a somber event, but we will have uh, light refreshments afterward and you know discussion and. Are you participating like in it? As far as are you I, speaking, I'm organizing it this year uh-huh. and uh, speaking. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm participating. Right. So, uh, but this, this it looks like we have a, a pretty good crowd coming, according to the Facebook invite. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Which is uh, good. So, what can people expect if they show up? Uh, when they show up, we will have a, a small reception uh, or uh, uh, service. Uh, we'll have candles. We're, I, we're not going outside. We're not marching to the square or anything like that. We're trying to keep people uh, comfortable. Uh, we wanted to be handicap accessible so that you know people could uh, uh, make it. There's there's been some accessibility issues, you mm-hmm. know, like you know marching off somewhere, um, and uh, being open to the public. Hopefully, enough people uh, have seen it and they they will feel uh, comfortable enough to come and just honor uh, the memory of these people. Do you have a in one story in particular that kind of stands out? Uh, so the the point I guess. the point is that Transgender Day of Remembrance commemorates people who uh, have been found to have been lost to violence uh, in the United States and all around the world now, um, and the stories are are horrific uh, and and sad and um, I, in years past we've shared the cause of death right. to kind of bring a shock to uh, the non-trans community. Uh, to say, here, look at this. This is how right. horrible it is. Uh, this year, I, I'm not going to be doing that. It's traumatizing for a lot right. of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one one person in particular who, the reason I said uh, 24 people now this year is because uh, I, I get to add someone uh, who wasn't in there before. Um, 
and and this is a sad story. So her name is uh, Roxana Rodriguez, uh, and she ha- she was an asylum seeker. She came uh, to the country to try to 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 get away from Guatemala. Yeah, and she um, uh, had been gang raped there. She had contracted HIV from that gang rape, and she had uh, uh, she was trying to find a safe life. Uh, she was detained, and she was moved to a correctional facility. Uh, where uh, it it appears from her this was autopsy, in the United this is in the United States. It appears from her autopsy uh, that she was severely beaten uh, with long blunt objects, and um, uh, and then she died of star of of uh, uh, dehydration, and she's in custody, right? And she's ISIS in the correctional is facility. trying to say that uh, she died of AIDS-related. Right, and that's absolutely false. Because um, they actually, they said that deep bruising and around her wrist that kind of represents were handcuffs. Handcuffs, yeah. That was the other oh thing. So th- what looked like baton blows and uh, injuries consistent with, with being uh, handcuffed. Right. So she was... Um, and we, you know, we don't know the details of what happened in that correctional facility, and we don't know uh, anything leading up to the event. But we do, we do have the autopsy report. So, uh, um, and dehi- severe dehydration is what she died of. And anybody in any correctional facility can be hydrated, uh, even forcibly. Right. You know, so this was not a case of this is murder. This is murder with that the that we. The ISIS, ICE was ICE. Yeah, oh, well, I mean, either one. Hey, <laughs> take heck. Right, was was definitely involved. That that the community feels they're, that they had. A they're responsible for it, um, and uh, Department of Corrections uh, should be held responsible for it too. This was a, uh, a transgender, exclusively transgender uh, block, and so uh, it's not like she was held in. The only thing I've kind of followed it a little bit. I haven't, you know, I'm not an expert by any means, but I I haven't read reports from other individuals that, uh, you know, might have bared witness to what was going on or or heard anything. I don't know if you've seen anything that are people that were being held with her at that point. Uh, And maybe they're afraid to talk. They could be afraid to talk. They could not know. I mean, a lot of times people are held, trans people are held in solitary confinement. And nobody is going to know what happened. just simply because there are no witnesses. Right. So, yeah, we just... Enough is enough. (laughs) Absolutely. And Um, how recently was this? This this is this year. This This is May, I believe. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, It's, you know, horrific. Um, So the the T-Door is to commemorate the lives of of people who've had stories much like that, uh, other horror stories. A, lo- a lot were gunshot wounds, but the vast majority of uh, the victims are um, uh, trans women of color, and it always has been that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, this year is no exception. It's really uh, why trans women of color erasure, you know, uh, uh, bias. Um, you know, I can't speculate as to exactly why. A lot of times uh, it happens from it, it's a, a someone they know, an intimate partner, uh, um, a lot of times a boyfriend or husband uh, who, for whatever reason, decides to uh, uh, kill his partner. Right. And sometimes it's been reported that it's <coughs> because of shame, 
because of you know uh, toxic masculinity and mm-hmm. and the the need to be macho you know mm-hmm. and and to present as heterosexual right and uh, if somebody finds out that you're you you're sleeping with a, a trans woman uh, all of these issues pop up so what are the things that the community at large can do to educate friends and one another it's about really it, it is talk about it and it is uh, just be aware of each other and uh, um, it, it there's you know a heavy church population uh, among African American and Latino uh, folk who primarily these are the victims, uh, and and some ignorance in the church you know and so if your heart is open and and you feel that you're safe talking to people um, about it you know maybe talk about people you know normalize it within that context and say hey look I I know this is what we've been trained to say and to believe and to do but. I know this person, and I know who they are, and um, and really the, these uh, prejudices right Stereotype. don't don't sit. It's breaking it down. I you know those conversations uh, you know I have with friends and, and individuals about you know um, th- you know their, wh- what they expect and what they think and you know their biases and break you know what th- this is how you were born and why. You know, this is a choice. This is right. something that they have uh, a mental illness, and you know, why are we giving this attention in that sense? You know, if everybody could have a list of uh, brochures and and uh, shortcuts, internet shortcuts to send to people and say, "Hey, look, here is uh, tons of information, uh, tons of uh, well, they just have, you know, almost every couple of months they have a new right. brain study coming out showing that well, uh, trans kids' brains." function and you know it's not just adults it's not just people who've taken hormones already it's trans kids who haven't undergone right. any kind mm-hmm. of uh, uh, chemical or, or physical uh, changes their brains match the gender that they identify as so do you feel that the community in, at large as far as um, uh, are becoming more accepting and you have more people listening at least now or do you find over the long term, yes. I, I it, Unquestionably, it's much different than it was when I first came out 21 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still so far to go. I know kids who are, are you know, being kicked out of their homes, teenagers. I know people who've, who've fought hard. Um, still, the rate for teenage suicide among uh, uh, trans youth right. is 57%. Right. Uh, which is, I mean how right but yeah. those are for those statistics are for children who do not have uh, uh supportive families and uh but for kids who do have supportive families that suicide rate drops down to average for for that age group right. so that makes all the difference and yeah. mm-hmm. um that's really interesting yeah that's just interesting because i feel like um there just really needs to be a need for the the community to like actually protect and like I mean that culturally and I mean that like uh in in ways in like real ways too but I feel like I don't know I've noticed there's more like representation in like television and stuff and like that's like good and bad you know what I mean because it it can be tokenizing but at least there's like um representation and I feel like that's something that's 
do you guys missing. feel like you know you're the younger generation here that you know that you you see that you're more exposed yeah. than maybe even you know Melanie De- and I were yeah. well, definitely your age De- definitely um, I'm on social media a lot and I I tend to see um, a lot of people's opinion on LGBTQ matters and um, uh, um, news going on and. Uh, some of it is negative, but uh, I mean, at least there's a lot of positive. You know, a lot of people who support the the community, and I think uh, j- just for example, with AIDS, when it first came out, everyone was terrified of it. Mm-hmm. It was uh, you know this major thing, and when I was younger, even then, it was uh, you know a major thing. And as um, I've grown up, it, it you know it came more of a topic of discussion of uh, you know positivity and how to you know educate ourselves about it and how to prevent it. And so I think w- as you know the world grows we all grow yeah. and we become mm-hmm. more knowledgeable yeah it's interesting what you were saying about erasure because i feel like that's really the big issue like um you know it's acceptance is really as simple as you know seeing more um lgbt trans people of color you know diverse people in the media especially now for um yeah for youth yeah, I think that really helps. Just rep- like appearance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So representations, everything. Um, but uh, another news point uh, is that the Supreme Court is uh, being petitioned right now by right. Uh, a group to to take away uh, bathroom access uh, for trans kids. So yeah. So it, again, it's it's mm-hmm. one of these we we've talked about throughout the whole show about you know we we got to keep talking we got to let our legislators know what's important to us we can't assume that somebody's doing it for us that we have to make those phone calls that we show up to events like Melanie's you know um, discussing and 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 have your body present yeah. in the sense that you know that you know numbers count. And, you know, and, and educate yourself. I mean, there's just, you know, I'm an, as, as open as you can get as, as a person, but I don't know everything and I can't explain everything. And, and, and events like this is, is an educating op- opportunity for, for all of us. So this has been a great show. Thanks to our interns and our hey. engineer, Lucas, for being here. Um, uh, and yeah, Wes <laughs> running the, the show over there. Um, th- I want to thank um, our community um, out there. And uh, I'm Melanie Davis. Uh, I'm uh, Jasper Tony. <laughs> I'm Ireland Meacham. And I'm Lucas Fisher. And I'm Frankie Pless- Presslaff. Remember, if everything was straight, roller coasters would be one long, boring ride. Good night from your Blue Now family. You've been listening to Blooming Out on WFHB. Blooming Out is a product of WFHB's News and Public Affairs Department. Tune in every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. for Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs program. You can hear this and other programs online at WFHB.org. Comments and suggestions for future topics or guests can be sent to Blooming Out at WFHB.org. That is blooming O-U-T at W-F-H-B dot O-R-G. And thank you for listening. And I gotta be proud and I gotta remember this is what I'm about. Gotta stand up and I gotta be proud and I gotta remember this is what I'm about. And what about being a girl? Well, how could I mind it? And what about being queer? Well, really, really.